0: Hey everybody, welcome back to 5 Minutes of Courage with me, Maggie. We are in John chapter 19 and we are on day 2, the crucifixion of Jesus. It's a big day. Now, a lot of this is going to be information that you likely already know. If you've spent any time in a Christian church, if you've ever attended um, a Good Friday service. A lot of this is covered. So I'm going to try not to repeat what I think you may already know, but maybe just come up with a couple different things to just create this imagery in your mind of just how unbelievably graphic this death was. It starts right away in verse 17 with, so they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called place of the skull in Hebrew, Golgotha. Okay, so this was very common in Roman custom. um, You had to carry your own cross and not the whole thing, but just the kind of the crossbar, because what they had were the posts that were already in the ground. And if you remember, they were already planning to execute Barabbas. And so he was scheduled to be right in the middle and then two thieves on either side. Well, since Jesus took his place, that's where he's heading and so uh he's heading up the hill to the place of the skull remember he's naked he's exhausted he's probably in and out of consciousness he's got the crown of thorns this is this is torture to the nth degree now the romans did not invent crucifixion. The Persians did, but they often say that the Romans perfected it. And in fact, they made it an institution, but it was not something they would use on a Roman citizen. It was, it was reserved exclusively for the very worst of criminals and the lowest of class. It was designed to make the victim die very publicly, very slowly, with great pain and humiliation. And unfortunately, this was the death that was ordained for Jesus to die. And it was a death that he submitted to willingly because he knew that it was the will of his father. But it was just so awful that polite Romans wouldn't even discuss it in public. In fact, Cicero, who was a Roman statesman, said, It is a crime to bind a Roman citizen. To scourge him is an act of wickedness. To execute him is almost murder. What shall I say of crucifying him? An act so abominable, it is impossible to find any adequate words to express. It is torture fit only for slaves. And yet this is what our Lord Jesus was subject to. Now, the gospel writers intentionally did not give a very detailed explanation of the crucifixion. And there were a couple reasons for that. The first one being the original readers were unfortunately very familiar with the practice, so they didn't need any explanation. They also take a lot of care not to manipulate emotions when they tell stories. They try to stay with just, just the facts. But one of the facts would be Dr. William Edwards in the Journal of American of American Medical, Medical Association excuse me said and I quote death from crucifixion could come from many sources acute shock from blood loss being too exhausted to breathe dehydration stress induced heart attack congestive heart failure leading to cardiac rupture and if the victim did not die quickly enough the legs were broken and the victim was soon unable to breathe and died of suffocation. And so here is Jesus. And he, like I mentioned, is now in the center. They nailed him to the crossbar and hoisted him up on the beam that was already there waiting for him. He was centered for believers and for non-believers, which we would still say is true today. Jesus is the center of all of this, of the world. And yet on either side, you will find Believers and non believers. And we know that there was one thief that mocked and jeered and was really pretty rude to Jesus. And then the other one who said, Jesus, remember me today in paradise, which Jesus agreed to. That man believed and he was immediately forgiven and promised eternal life. As was customary, they would write a sign above your cross. Okay, so that you would know who who was there, what their name was and what they did. And so Pilate wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. That was his big crime. But he not only wrote it in one language. Actually, he wrote it in several. He wrote it in Aramaic for the local inhabitants. He wrote it in Latin for the officials. He wrote it in Greek for the Eastern Mediterranean world and for the Grecians who were in the area and also in Hebrew for the Jews who gloried in the law, which is foreshadowing of Jesus being transformed into every in every tongue and being for every tribe and every nation to ever inhabit the earth. Jesus is for everyone. And so the fact that that happened also was very intentional, not by Pilate, but it was intentional in part of the story as part of the plan. Now beneath Jesus were several soldiers, and they were casting lots, which is similar to rolling dice um, for his clothes, which fulfilled scripture from the book of Psalms, where it says they divided my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. So that had already been foretold all the way back in the book of Psalms. So this was prophecy coming true. They did not rip his tunic. They cast lots for it. Now, also at the foot of the cross were several of the women, three of them, oddly enough, named Mary, who loved them, loved him, excuse me. And right in the middle was his mother, his mother, Mary. It's, it's impossible for me to comprehend the agony of Mary as she saw her son crucified, as she saw his pain, his humiliation, his shame, his suffering, and then finally her death. And that also was foreshadowed years ago, when Mary and Joseph brought their tiny little baby to the temple for dedication, a godly man was there named Simeon. And he saw Jesus, and he took him in his arms, but he said to Mary, and this seems so ominous, A sword will pierce through your own soul also. And you can find that in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. I can imagine that Mary suffered the metaphorical sword piercing her own soul, certainly her heart. Then Jesus looked down at his mother and also the disciple whom he loved. And he said, Mother, Actually, he said woman, but translated, that really means more of a a madam. He's, He's being very formal with her, and he intentionally did not use Ima, which would have been mom, because that would have hurt her all the more. So he said, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. And what he was saying was not out of disrespect. While he's hanging there hurting, he wants to make sure that his beloved mother is taken care of by his beloved disciple. Now we know that Jesus had several step siblings, but we also know about them that to up till this point, they didn't believe in him. And let's be really honest, if your brother came to you and said, I'm the son of God, I'm the savior. Are you gonna believe him? I'm just gonna tell you right now, I'm not. I have four brothers, they're amazing, they're wonderful and miraculous in their own way. The son of God, they are not. So I don't fault these step siblings. But he knew that John believed, and he wanted Mary to be taken care of for the rest of her life, and she was. John took her home, and it says in Scripture, for the rest of her days, she was cared for by John. Jesus also knew John was going to be the only apostle to not be martyred. He died of a natural death, and he knew Mary wouldn't be able to to go through this again. How thoughtful, as he's hanging on the cross, that he thinks of his mother, That just warms my heart. We are out of time for today, but when you join me right back here tomorrow, we're going to pick up the story right where we left it off with Jesus dying on the cross and then his burial. Don't quit on me now. I'll see you tomorrow. Be well. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'd hate for you to miss out on even one minute of courage, then share it with all your friends. If you'd like more information or would like to contact me directly, go to fiveminutesofcourage.com. That's the number five, and you can connect with me there.